0: This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network.
1: Hey, Chef Joe here from the Urban Kitchen Group. I want to invite you all to dine with us from January 21st to the 28th for San Diego Restaurant Week to try our California-inspired Italian cuisine. Head on over to the San Diego Restaurant Week website to make a reservation now.
2: welcome back to another episode of the, the sober, sober life, life audio experience, experience.
0: Dun, dun, dun. what's up roman yo what is going on bro there's a lot of big things going on right now yeah. a lot of big things i'm really excited 2018 welcome is world. upon us hey it's phenomenal we've got a we've got a killer guest with us yeah today. dude yeah who who's our guest bro i'm really really excited to introduce filmmaker, documentary extraordinaire, bigger, stronger, faster, prescription thugs, Chris, are you there?
1: I'm here, buddy. How you doing?
0: Hey, welcome to the show, my man.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I think anytime uh, we do anything in this community to help people, it's always a great thing. So you know, just keep doing it.
0: Heck yeah, Chris. Yes, sir. We're doing it. We're in it together. We have, uh, we have three, three questions that we always start our shows out with. Three very special questions. And uh, the first question we have for you, Chris, is what is your vision?
1: Mm. My vision in general?
0: Your vision for whatever, yourself, whatever it means in general, you, for the world. you know What, what makes the most sense uh, to you? Pretty,
1: pretty simple. Just uh, get better every day. You know, it's it's simple. It's a really simple creed that uh, actually my brother and I live by. My brother owns a gym up in Sacramento and he owns a, um, a fitness company as well. And something that we just tell everybody is if you strive to get better every day, like it doesn't really necessarily matter what it is. And you don't need to beat yourself up over getting so much better every day. But um, it's just if you just live your life in general in that way where you don't let too many things rattle you. That's like one of my rules. Yeah, And, and you always, you know, you always want to put your best foot forward. You always want to make sure that you're, you're putting in some effort and you can get better at almost every little thing that you do every day. And like, I just encourage people to really learn, uh, for a long, long time. And this is when I was drinking and, uh, using pills. Um, I, I literally shut off to learning. I went to USC, I went to film school there mm. and it was really Like film school was great. I had like a 3.6 GPA in film school, but the rest of school, like I really struggled through. It was really hard, and you know I was trying to get like A's and B's. I wasn't trying to like you know do shitty. So I, you know, it was (laughs) was really difficult. And I and so I got burnt out on learning. And um and I was also young. You know, you graduate from college and like 24 years old. Like I just graduated from USC film school. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna take over the world. And that's kind of what I thought. And I had done like a. I had done a short film, and that was really frustrating because it it took a long time to finish it. It took like three years for me to actually get the whole thing Oh, wow. Yeah, and I I realized what I was getting myself into. If you want to be a director, you want to be a film director, you are getting into the toughest business in the world at the toughest level. Like, that's what you're doing. So, like, it's crazy for people to have that as a goal. But I'm lucky that I didn't know that it was that crazy when I, when right. I was doing that. You were just anything.
0: getting better. <laughs>
1: and to tell you guys the truth, I'm not doing what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not doing what I went to school for. Like, I kind of am, but not really. The reason I make documentaries is because I was told several hundreds of times, I wasn't good enough to work in Hollywood. I wasn't good enough to write for them. I wasn't good. You know, like my script after script get rejected. I sent out hundreds of job applications to work in Hollywood. And everybody's kept telling me no. So me making Mm. documentaries just comes from being stubborn and saying like, I'm not going to quit.
2: You're going to do it anyway.
1: Yeah. I'm going to make a movie somehow. And just at the time it was like, Hey, write what you know. And the thing I knew about was steroids And, and that's where bigger, stronger, faster, you know, came, came from basically was just out of a necessity to create a necessity to inspire people and necessity to like reach out and, and share my story. And when I realized how effective that was, it sort of created this, you know, formula is just like, Hey, just be honest and forthcoming and, you know, where yeah. you are and believing and go for it,
0: you know? Right on. Yeah. Chris.
1: Man, thank you for sharing that's kind that. That's of a long winded answer, but. Um. No,
0: that's, that goes right into the vision and it leads us into question number two. Question number two, Chris. What do you love?
1: What do I. Oh, hey. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. For real, I think, you know, uh, the thing is for me, what I do is. Like I, I love what I do, but I would love uh, even more what I what I love is doing it at a, a higher level. So um, that's what I'm looking to do. I'm I'm looking to line up with some people. Like they say that you're the product of the five people around you. It's like getting around those right people. Um, that can help elevate me so it's basically i love what i do being a filmmaker i love the entire process of it like for example right now i'm on a ketogenic diet i've mm. been on a ketogenic diet for over a year a big part of the reason why i'm on a ketogenic diet is research for a movie so i'm literally i haven't eaten carbs in a year because i'm researching for a movie and people think that's crazy but like that's just what we do man we dive in and we we make it happen unfortunately when i did prescription thugs i was doing prescription drugs at the time too Mm. so you know you you always are kind of living the story but also like i just never wanted to shy away from uh when i relapsed and stuff i just was like you know what put it in the movie let's go yeah Uh, boom love it done is better than perfect yeah it's important to be honest because it's really hard to uh remember the lies you know
0: yeah (laughs) right it's time consuming so chris Question number three. One more question. What is a book that has influenced or shaped
1: you? Oh, um, okay. There's there's actually several of them, um, but I would have to say the the book that's that's really really changed my life is got to be um, this book. It's it's a weird book. It's called Keto Clarity. Okay. And it's not it's not it's not particularly like the best written book it's not anything it's, a, it's about the ketogenic diet right. and it was um written by a guy named jimmy moore who weighed you know 400 and something pounds when he started out and uh, you know as he's writing the book he weighs 230 pounds i'm like and this is like 10 years later i'm like this is phenomenal how did this guy you know uh do this um and the reason i say that that it was like it was that book is i was always, always interested in like nutrition and dieting and, and different things like that right but i I had no idea what a ketogenic diet could do for my sobriety and what it could do for my mental for my cognition and the way that I think and I and it completely changed my life where I've gone on this path now of just pursuing health. So you say like what do I love besides yeah. filmmaking? I love health. Like I'm mm. obsessed with like health food stores. I'm obsessed with like trying to find and create products find. <sighs> like uh, new herbs or new plants that have different antioxidants or different right. chemicals in them that will help, you know, like unleash this or unleash that or, you know, wh- whatever it is, I'm just fascinated by by science and nutrition. And I think um, that book, Keto Clarity by Jimmy Moore kind of kicked it off. It's like not particularly inspirational or anything. It's just like, it really just tells you how to do uh, this diet, but in the, in the book, he speaks about, I think you guys might have heard of like bulletproof coffee. That's yeah. pretty popular. Oh, yeah. Well, the big thing with bulletproof is like that guy took
0: Dave Askin.
1: Yeah. He took, and, and I've been on Dave's <sighs> podcast. Dave is great. But uh, Dave, um, basically he collects a bunch of people's ideas and he, and he figures out ways to make a lot of money on them. So yeah. with Bulletproof coffee, that's, that was something that people were doing for a while, putting butter and coconut oil yeah. in their coffee. And, and he was figured a genius, brilliant, figured out a way to market it. And make a lot of money, but one of the things that he talks about, and his book is another book, I should say, it was a life changer. It's called the Bulletproof Diet, and not necessarily because I did a diet and lost weight. I did a diet, and I've gotten smarter. I've learned mm-hmm. more in the past year. Like my my past year has been the most productive year of my entire life, and it's really been due to my nutrition.
0: Wow, that's huge! <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Like that's all huge. I want to do is reach and well, learn it. Well, I I know that keto is. Very neuro-enhancing, neuro-protecting. I know it's a treatment for epilepsy, especially in uh, in children. So I, would, I
1: should say this to everybody because I don't want to scare everybody off to go on this crazy diet. Or <laughs> carbs or but what I should say that if you learn about what a ketogenic diet is, it's basically you're you're going to eat a little bit more fat and you're going to eat a whole lot less carbs and especially like less uh, processed carbs, Right. But, Even if you were to incorporate more avocados and coconut oils and things like that into your diet, that helps your body produce ketones. Ketones help your brain. Ketones also help you not be hungry. So you're not going to eat as bad. And when you're not eating as bad, you're not eating the, you're not making the bad choices. Like, so I just tell everybody, like, add avocado and coconut oil. The rest of it will start to figure, figure itself out, you know, because it's really like people, people just need, um, they need better nutrition. We are living on nothing. We're living on air. You know what I mean? Like, well,
0: yeah. And that that we, brings I'm me. of
1: nutrients in a cheese it or nothing. You
0: know? Yeah. And that brings me to a, a point that I really want to talk about. You're talking about how we're living. And, you know, this being a, a sobriety podcast and everything. Talk to us about kind of the brainchild prescription thugs and how that yeah. came about. And like, what you, would you find? What would you go into looking for? And, and what would you end up finding out?
1: Well, you know, prescription thugs came from a conversation I had with my buddy Chris Masters. Uh, Chris Masters, people might know him from the WWE. He was a professional wrestler. They called him the masterpiece. That was a Vince McMahon creation. And, um, he, you know, he's just this huge guy. And when he was 20 years old, he got a contract with the WWE and he didn't know how to handle it. So he was an out of control pill addict, like a total pill hug. And, um, and he was my roommate at the time. And uh, I saw him go through like ups and downs and then he wasn't my roommate. So we lost contact for a while and then he moved back in (laughs) one of those kind of stories. Yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) When he he moved back in the second time, he was actually sober from pills and it was kind of amazing to see him like sober from pills. You notice a little difference, (laughs) a lot of difference. And what happened in the meantime, and he was never like a jerk to me, but I just know he was, he was a mess, you know, but um, in the meantime, when he was leaving, you know me, basically like he was my roommate. Was like taken off, whatever. Um, that's when I started using pills because I had a double hip replacement surgery. So, like, I didn't start pills because I wanted to take pills. Like, I started pills because they took, they tore open my legs and they right. saw
0: you, you through my femur, them. right?
1: Yeah, they saw through my femur bone with a with a with a saw that they you know you get from Home Depot. I mean, right. I yeah. saw the surgery. It's crazy, you know. Oh yeah. And, and, um, there's just like a lot of pain involved afterwards. And so that, that was the thing. I was like, I got hooked on pills pretty quick. Um, and when I got hooked on pills, the only thing I could remember was how good my friend Chris looked, you know,
2: Yeah. And I
1: called him and I was crying. I said, Hey buddy, I don't like, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm hooked on these pills. You know, the doctors gave them from to, to me for my surgery and blah, 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 blah. But I think I'm hooked on them. And uh, he's like, "Hey, I'll, I'll come right over, right?" And of course, what, what any good friend does, they give you some suboxone. Oh <laughs> shit! Well, what, what basically? Well, basically, there happened, you go. It was actually a good thing. Um, he gave me a couple of because um, I, I was I, I was out of pills and I was going crazy. I didn't know. What to right? Ah,
2: uh, you were. But he
1: he going gave me detox? For like yeah, like enough for like a day until I can get to the to the doctor that he recommended, and then I got on suboxone and I started on that trek for like a long time right. yeah how,
0: how long were you on suboxone chris i mean that's a pretty common for like okay. nine
1: months and i found Damn. out later that you're only supposed to be on it for like two weeks so anyway yeah. <laughs> i i was so when i got <laughs> on suboxone so when i was taking pills all the pills were completely paid for big pharma it was all i was yeah. all covered it was right. 10 bucks it was 10 bucks for a bottle of 90 pills holy right? crap for percocets like the strongest ones right yeah so You know, it's ten bucks. You go into Costco, you pay ten bucks, and and you're out the door. I had friends that would go in; they'd pay ten bucks, they'd be out the door, and they'd turn around and sell that for you know a thousand or twelve hundred and pay their rent. Right, right. That's where that's sort of where prescription thugs came from. Was like we was having a conversation with that same guy the day that he gave me those Suboxone was the day that um I was like laughing and because he's like, hey, your insurance will cover all these pills, but they won't cover the Suboxone. I'm like, dude, it's like prescription thugs. And we just started laughing. We were like laughing so hard for like five minutes. Like, it's stupid, but like, we're like prescription thugs. I'm like, that should be like the name of a movie. You know what I mean? But yeah, here yeah. I am it be the name of a movie as I'm getting into the drug addiction. Like, I didn't even know because the, the, the Suboxone was a whole other addiction. You know?
2: Yeah. And that was really,
1: really difficult um, to come off of. And I think the worst for me was alcohol, actually, out of, out of anything. Oh, the hardest yeah? thing was. Uh, to, was to quit drinking because it's so easy. It's so social. It's so it's everywhere. It's, it's so everywhere. But eh, just, just have a glass of wine. Like you have no idea how many gallons and gallons and gallons yeah. of wine I was around. My sister-in-law, I love her. She's my favorite, one of my favorite people in the whole world. She drinks wine like it's going out of style, but she's not like an alcoholic. Like she just, she loves to have her glass of wine at the end of the night, you know? Right. And she's very, very, you know, like they have a wine room at their house and so so the whole family is kind of like that like you know and everybody drinks wine and so for me um i it's it's kind of crazy but like i don't even i don't even think about it like i don't even recognize like wine or beer or liquor as anything anymore i just i just don't see it as um as i used to so i don't know so
0: chris i've got a question for you yeah what what happened i mean it sounded like you were popping pills drinking you got this history with steroids you know we've seen bigger stronger faster and then like like what what happened and it sounds like you're sober now how long have you been sober
1: i've been sober now for like uh, three and a half years, a little bit more than that. So was Damn, it a series of so an so.
0: events that went down? Was there one well, single moment first, you uh, can isolate? I mean, what what, what yeah, were some I mean, of the...
1: Like, I, I talk about it in Prescription Thugs. Like, I went to rehab at Cliffside Malibu. I met a guy named Richard Tate who just completely changed my life. He wrote a book called, uh, I think it's called Stopping addiction for good or quitting addiction for good, something like that. Anyway, Richard Tate, C A I T E. He's he's a great guy. He was the CEO of Cliffside Malibu, and um, I had had him. I had interviewed him for Prescription Thugs, and when I relapsed, he was the first person I thought to call. And I just kept telling my mom, like, just call Richard Tate. He'll know what to do. Yeah. Um, My mom called him. He said, "Mrs. Bell, you get that kid over here right now." You know, and he only knew me from an interview that we did, like a two or three hour interview. And he took care of me so well. Like, I, you know, I owe him my life basically. Um, He took care of me. He wouldn't let my parents pay. He wouldn't let me pay him, you know? And it's crazy. I was in the best facility in the entire, you know, country. Like, I wouldn't say say that it's ranked the best training, but I'm saying it's, it's like one of the nicest places you can go. (laughs) It's it's
2: definitely, uh, you know, upper class. And it was
1: interesting because I, I got taken care of in such a fascinating kind of way. Like um, when I first got there, it was like business is normal like with rehab. But then um, they ran out of space. And since they were helping me out, um, they had to send me somewhere else. And, and, you know, Richard came to me and said, I- I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to put you somewhere for a little bit of time for like 20 days. And then I'm going to bring you back here for the rest of your time. And I'm like, okay, and I just trusted him, and and um, he wanted to send me to a sober living house, but my brother had died in a sober living house, so I didn't mm-hmm. want to go to a sober living house. I kind of freaked out on him, which I completely apologized for afterwards, but I was like, I'm not going to a sober living house. I can't. You know oh, all I shit. Do it my, my brother died in a sober living house. So I said, okay. You don't want to go and Richard the hard ass. He's like the best. He's the funniest guy over here. He's like, you want, you want to do it like that? You want to play like that? Okay. You want to go to a program? We're going to put you in a program. It's called Claire foundation. And I had no idea what he's talking about. And go to Claire foundation and it's one of
2: those. Yeah. That was, that must've been great. Huh?
1: Well, it was, it was like going from a place that's literally like, I think it's around $60,000 a month to yeah. going to a place that literally costs $2,000 a month and and it's 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 all the difference in the world it's like you know being yeah. in, a, in a room by yourself or being in a bunk bed with 40 other guys in the room
2: huge you know? contrast
1: yeah and so um yeah for me like uh as soon as i got to claire foundation i was like that's it i'm done with everything like i, right. I, I lit, that, it was that was it. it like so when i say I got taken care of in an interesting way. <laughs> that's the, that's the interesting way. That's the right. kick in the ass that I, I think I needed personally. I come from pretty, you know, uh, so my, my, family never wanted for anything. Like we're not rich or anything, but like, you know, we, we come from a middle-class family. We always had what we wanted. We never, you know, so for me to be in a place like Claire foundation, right. was, was just so humiliating that um, I just wanted to cry every day that I woke up. What What
0: what lessons did you learn while you were there, Chris?
1: That I put myself there. That was the first lesson that I learned, that there was nothing nothing in the world. There was no trauma in the world. There was nobody that put me there. Like, you know, okay, my brother died. Like, he didn't put me there. You know what I mean? I put myself there. I I had to accept responsibility for that. Now, that was hard, because you're just used to blaming everybody. Right. You know? (laughs) So I just, I just started realizing like everything in life is a choice and we make the, you know, we make those choices every day. And I chose, I chose the wrong things for so long because it was easy. And, um, Hmm. I had to start doing the right things is what I, what I realized really quick, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and then when I went back to Cliffside, it was like the best thing ever. Like when I went back Uh there, I was like, Oh my God, I'm like in heaven now. Like, and the rest of the time I was there, like, People were like, why are you always so positive? Like when I was in rehab, especially at Cliffside, even in Claire Foundation, I was just always super positive. And the reason I was always super positive is like, what else are you going to be? <laughs> you know? right. I, I have to get through it. And all these kids are like fighting and yelling at each other. And there was just a lot of fights, especially at Claire Foundation. Um, they What happened at Claire Foundation, which was funny, was as soon as I got there, they put me in charge. <laughs> I said, why, am, why am I in charge? And the guy leans over. He's like, because you're the only normal one. You know, and I'm like, oh shoot! Like this is going to be weird. Right. And, so, and, and you know, by that they meant a lot of people had a lot of uh, a lot of baggage they were coming in with. They were coming right off uh, right off of jail sentences, right out of jail. Yeah, they I yeah,
2: going- I know They're that running. population too, and I know that they deal with uh, dual diagnosis. So there's probably a lot of mental health disorders mental health as well.
1: Disorders, and I, like I I am so sympathetic to all that. Right. Know? Um, but it definitely is hard to deal with when you have to live with them, you know. Yeah, and you have to make everything work, you know. And mm. so they put me in charge of that. And I think um, while I was in charge, I think we had to let six or seven people go because, um, you know, I'm not going to let people do drugs um, in in my place, you know. Right. So, right. I just like, hey, these dudes are doing drugs. How do you know? Look at them. These dudes <laughs> are doing drugs. How yeah. do you know? Look at them. Just look at them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like every day. It was like, hey, this guy's got to go, you know, and that was because, you know, you, you Wait, need to Wait, Chris,
0: are you saying people were sneaking drugs into rehab? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, you know yeah.
1: what? I actually, I actually, I guess I was so naive to that. I was like, really? You're going to sneak drugs in here? Like, this is like. You know, and it was just like I—I kind of grew up like that. I've always been kind of naive. Yeah, yeah. I was actually like, it's kind of funny because you guys will laugh at me, but like, I actually thought it was crazy that people were sneaking drugs in. (laughs) And then I realized like that (laughs) happens every day. Okay, I got you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But yeah, I mean, I—you know what? I had let's just say I had a great time uh, in rehab. So, so
0: Chris, you—you got sober. You went to rehab. What what has life been like? these last three three and a half years what have you been up to i mean we we were talking a little bit earlier i know you're really into the keto diet really into nutrition yeah um, filmmaker what 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 has life been like on the other side living in sobriety and and how has that really helped you and and supported you in chasing after your dreams and your visions
1: the number one thing is, uh, my brother Mark and I, um, just sort of came back together, you know, like after we lost our older brother, Mike, it was like, I guess we just kind of never really spoke too much about it. The, mm. uh, the family all drifted together. Like my, my mom didn't call me for like, you know, a, a while. Like, I don't think I talked to my mom for like a year or two, like, like really like one-on-one. And I used to talk to her every day on the phone, you know? Right. And, uh, Always check in on her, make sure she was OK and stuff like that. And after Mike died, it was like just everybody was sad. You know, nobody wanted to talk to each other. And um, my family couldn't be any closer right now. Like everybody's so tight. And uh, a lot of that has to do with fitness. You know, like everybody yeah. got behind. Uh, my brother and I started something on Instagram called the War on Carbs. And that's like with the, our type of diet that we do, mm-hmm. we're like, Hey, you know, no carbs, today, let's go. And people like will follow us and, and they'll do it too, you know? And, um, it's more of just like having fun and inspiring people and, and like, you know, what we, what we really love to do. Um, but like every day now is just so different than it was because every, like, you know, back then we were sad and now every day is like, like you wake up and ready to kick ass. You wake up and you're like, what am I going to do today? Nice. You know, what fun can I have right now? On a mission. Yeah, like I, just everything. Like I'm trying to, you know, like it's always a work in progress. Right. And like I said, I'm always learning. I just read, a, you know, another book about nutrition, you know, yesterday and it got me really excited about some some other new things. And I'm doing a, uh, we're doing a documentary that's sort of following this whole ketogenic diet thing. <sighs> so people will be able to really understand it. There's not enough time in this podcast to get into it. Like, um, you know people be able to really understand it by just watching the film and and we'll we'll have all that stuff basically um laid out in the film so that people can follow it and um you know I just actually finished the movie I think I was telling you guys before we got on the air. I just finished a film that I think is really, really interesting. It's gonna have a like it's definitely gonna have a polarizing effect for your audience and maybe even for you guys, but it's about Kratom. And I'm yes. sure you guys you guys ever talk about Kratom on your podcast? Uh, we have I know briefly, Kratom. Yeah, I know. But Kratom Kratom I know we well.
0: we deal with it in our business yeah. and we deal with it, you know, especially with the young guys in in recovery here in Southern California. Yeah, man.
2: Kratom's like the the sober living drug of
0: choice Cause, yeah, cause, yeah dude here's the problem here's
1: the Let's problem let 's talk kratom yeah here's the problem with Kratom um, it's not regulated, right? right so the problem with most kratom that i 've found, and i 've talked to the top scientists in the country, I think this could be the cure for our opioid epidemic if it 's looked at right the right way. It needs to be approached the right way, but basically. Um, this is a plant from southeast asia it 's in the same family as the coffee family right and it, and it basically kills pain just like any of your opioids. It works on your mu opioid receptors so while it does attach to your opioid receptors it 's nothing like um, anything like Oxycontin or anything like that because it doesn't it, it, those drugs are designed to attach to your receptors a thousand times greater than anything in nature right and so that's that 's the big difference it's like It's a slight, uh, it doesn't lock onto your receptors like that. And it doesn't cause respiratory depression. It doesn't cause the high addiction rates and it doesn't cause death. Now, because it's not regulated, you don't know if the person is taking a Kratom that has, that has been modified with addictive qualities to it. Right. Because that's what these people do all the time. It's like the same people from the spice industry. They just moved over to Kratom. Right. 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 the, the way that I was introduced to Kratom was through a guy who actually does it all through the FDA like everything he does is FDA compliant Right, and so I was introduced to it like in a different way more as like a dietary supplement like I had no idea that it sort of was sold in smoke shops and the whole, the oh, whole yeah. thing I, it didn't come to me like that it sort of came to me as like hey you should try this for pain and it wasn't until I was going to speak at Cliffside Malibu and they told me, like, yeah, um, we've been looking at your Instagram, and you probably shouldn't show up to this AA meeting. And so they wouldn't let me speak at an AA meeting because I, you know, I I'm a kratom advocate. I guess you would say. I mean, I made a film about it because I think it can help a lot of people. That well, what do you in- what do you
0: think about the method of ingestion? Because I think that a lot of kids are smoking it. And... See, I've
1: never even heard of anybody smoking it. I've just did a whole movie about it. And when I asked somebody, do people smoke it? They're like, they don't smoke it.
2: No, like, it's mainly, uh, it's yeah, it's change. mainly like tea. Things? It's in capsules.
1: Yeah, things change really quickly. Yeah, but like yeah, I guess. So I ju- I just take it in a capsule. It's right. a ground up tea leaf. There's nothing in it. So. When, when I went to the scientist Chris McCurdy, he's out in the uh, University of Florida. He's been studying this for 13 years, right? Uh-huh. People in Thailand use this stuff every day. Like they go out and they pick kratom leaves off the tree and they, they brew them into a tea and they drink yeah. that tea and they do it all day long. And it's just like anything else that we, any sort of other calming tea or anything else that's on the market here. We have thousands and thousands of dietary supplements on the market that are actually very dangerous. And we don't say anything about that. But once something makes you happy, like we, we, does it, let me
0: ask you this. Does it alter your mood or your mind
1: in in a way that coffee does makes you feel good? Like, that's how I feel. Like I, it makes me feel good. You know, when I have coffee, I'm a little bit more alert. I talk a little bit more, that kind of thing. Let me, uh,
2: let me ask you this.
1: But let me just finish really quick because what happens is that the people that talk about addiction, everything we need, We need to take a look at what they're actually taking because a lot of these products, like I said, are adulterated. And when I talked to Dr. McCurdy, um, I thought it was like, okay, come on, that's kind of ridiculous. But the amount of stuff that's adulterated in the Kratom world is really, really high. Hmm. And that's why there's this fight with the FDA because the Kratom vendors, they don't want their products tested. So that they're not testing their product for purity, but they right. don't want tested because they're putting shit in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Got so it. Gotcha. We kinda, I mean, in the movie, we kind of figure that all out and kind of say that. C- so,
0: kind of like the black rhinos at the convenience shop. I've heard yeah. that those are all. When they test them, they end up finding it's Viagra. Really Viagra. It's really yeah, Viagra or Viagra. Cialis, anyways. And-
1: And that's just so misleading to people. And to me, like, it's so disappointing because like what we have that could be a great plant that could help a lot of people with a lot of pain uh, is now being sort of bastardized. Now, the other thing is that we just found out like very, very recently that mitragynine, which is the main active ingredient in kratom, is not addictive at all. Not addictive at all, according to the science. Now, what is addictive is this other alkaloid that's in kratom called seven hydroxymetragenine, and it's highly addictive, but it's in a very, very small amount. Like when you see um, the amount of it, like the amount would be like so. There's there's like say the metragenine was like an entire capsule full of grains. You know, <laughs> one grain would be how much seven hydroxymetragenine is in there. So while while uh, we don 't think that kratom itself as a as a whole leaf can be addictive um to just get rid of that whole problem. We just pull the alkaloid out and and you now you have a a completely non addictive opioid painkiller and like i don 't understand like that that is something that I wrestle with a lot is that you know we list euphoria as a side effect um on products, but we want to feel good like everybody wants to feel good and if Kratom makes me feel good and it doesn 't make me do anything bad. I, that's why I can't find a fault in it. I think you know?
0: for for me, what I would really look at is just the principles of, of addiction of, you know, when I start using it, can I control the amount that I use? And I, I that, think and, and the second one right. really I, quick would be, you know, if I make a decision to not do it, can I not do it and stick to it?
1: Yeah. And see, that's that's the thing for me where, like, it it is such a take it or leave it thing. But I do understand, like, I mean, I... <laughs> I was in rehab with a lot, of a lot of different personalities. And I know you guys have been too. So, um, there's people that can be like addicted to anything, you know what I mean? So like, that's what's a, where it's such a tough call. It's like, like for me, I'm like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. And some people would say that with alcohol and I'd be like, are you kidding me? You can like just have one drink and walk away. And they're like, yeah. And mm-hmm. and like, I couldn't do that with pills and I couldn't do that with booze, right. but I can do it with Kratom. Like I went, I've, I've been on several trips, uh, recently where either I forgot it or like I actually went to Thailand for two and a half weeks. I went to Thailand for two and a half weeks. I didn't bring Kratom with me. I had been on it at the time for like six months straight, like every day for pain. And then when I didn't take it for two weeks, the only thing I felt was pain. Mm. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't sick and I didn't get withdrawals or anything.
0: Interesting. And I, think
1: the, I think that the people that get withdrawals might be taking an adulterated product that has stuff that could create withdrawals.
0: Well, you that's, know, that's it's a sa- problem. It, to me, it sounds like more, more will definitely be revealed. And it sounds like you're, you know, on exactly. the, for- on the yeah. forefront yeah. Yeah. and a pioneer in getting that information out to the public.
1: And, and I just want to say, like, I respect everybody in, in the recovery community. I, I'm not trying like what I what I'm actually trying to do is see if we can help. Yeah. Because we can also sit on our hands and do nothing. And there's a lot of people that are in a lot of legitimate pain and they're going to keep returning to opioids no matter what we do. Right. Unless we come up with something better. And if we can create something that's better, that's all I'm trying to do. So like, uh, if uh, people do want to like come down on me for using Kratom or talking about it or whatever, it's okay. I accept it. You yeah. know, that's, that's a, a reflection. That's a responsibility we accept when we try to make a change.
0: Well, and, and, you know, I'm all, I think we're all for innovation, creativity, finding what works and, and then, you know, supporting at the end of the day, if, if someone loses control once they start or that they cannot make a decision to stop and stay stopped, then there's a problem. But if there's, if that's not occurring for that individual person, I'm all for innovation, creativity, and Anything we can do to broaden the spectrum and support as many people as possible.
1: Yeah, so, and I think that that's like that comes up in a lot of things. It's like we just and it's just a, a symptom of our culture. Like we want a one size fits all mm-hmm. like thing, and yeah. and a one size one size doesn't fit all. Like if somebody were to take a look at your life as compared to somebody else's life, as compared to somebody else's life, like this guy can control his kratom, his drinking, his blah blah blah. This guy can't, right? So it's like we it, it, there is it's, it's not the same thing for everybody. And I think that that's important.
0: I agree, Chris. Hey, uh, we got a little bit of time left and I want right. to pick your brain. What is a nugget, a tidbit of hope? What, what is something you would say to somebody who's struggling, who, who feels hopeless, that there's no way out? How would you support them? What, what information would you give them? What would you tell someone in that, in that state of being? Just
1: somebody like, Basically, down in the dumps addicted, or or just in general, or what?
0: Yeah, someone that's like on there, you know hopeless, maybe thinking of ending it all, doesn't know what to do, and just yeah. like, out in their luck.
1: Know, I I've been there myself, and I've I've talked to a lot of people in those um those situations, and um usually what I it's not what I tell them, it's what they tell me. So what I just try to do is is listen you know but i think that's important as a friend right this would be like the guy guy that's like you know what man i'm just gonna shut my big mouth because my ego is telling me that i'm smarter and i figured this out and i can tell you how to fix this so i'm gonna scrape you up off the floor with a spatula like no pour your fucking heart out to me like tell me what's up and and like you tell me you know what's wrong and you'll talk yourself into the answer you know what i mean like it, that's that's it happens so so often is that like we we have our own answers we have our own what I call a gut instinct I feel it's like the most powerful force in the universe it's the first thing that you think about you know like okay I'm gonna do this and we have that but we don't like to use it a lot like I right. think a lot of people like sort of go like look I know this girl is terrible for me but I just can't say it to her it's like, huh. well, why not why not you tell her you know? <laughs> like
0: that,
1: it's like that it, but it's like that same dilemma with like sort of everything right like i know like i know that i really don't want to kill myself but i keep saying i want to because i got nothing going on and then you know it's like after they think about it and talk about it, it's like okay this is stupid let's figure it out right they start figuring out in their own head
0: right that's a know? whole that's a whole nother genre but, right there hey but Chris- also
1: like what's tough is like when somebody's experiencing like real real depression like i think you got to go back to what i just said and like and just give them a hug and be there for them yeah that sometimes sometimes there's nothing that we can say you know so it's just like being there and giving them love you know
0: yeah it's in it's in the giving it's in the connection the vulnerability hey chris where can people find you where can people see what you're up to where can people check you out where can people give you a like a follow
1: yeah. At Big Strong Fast is my Twitter and my Instagram. I'd also say um, you guys should follow my brother. His uh, YouTube channel is youtube.com uh, backslash super training And on there, there are so many videos about diet, training, nutrition, uh, just inspiration. Like my brother's just an ass kicker and we do a lot of stuff together and we'll be doing a lot of stuff in the future. And he's also at Mark Smelly Bell. So I'd recommend like following both of us because we're both putting out all this kind of information all the time for free. Oh, I love it. You guys, we love that.
0: Cool, man. Awesome. Chris bell,
1: bigger, stronger,
0: faster prescription thugs amongst many other.
1: And the new one is called, the new one is called a leaf of faith. And we just had a phone call today. With a distribution company that really likes it, and um, it looks like we'll probably be coming out with that in May. So you guys are the first to hear it because it just happened a couple hours yeah. ago. Oh, right on! So life
0: exclusive. You. When I
1: was told you I was on a long, boring conference call, that's what I was talking about.
0: Right on, uh, right on, Chris. Hey, thank you for coming on. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for sharing your story. I just acknowledge you from yeah, here in the dude. high heaven. Yeah, and, uh, I wanted
1: to say thank you guys for, for doing this. And, like, thanks for being open-minded. Because, like, yeah. as soon as I brought up Kratom, I'm like, I'm not sure how this is going to go over. But you guys were really cool in dealing with it. So thank you. I think. Yo this, so. Is a, this is
0: a platform for everyone. We've had uh, the CBD discussion we've had some discussions around Kava,
1: yeah. Tatum. i mean there's Those there's lots of on, it's always on my mind too is like if there is a better way right let's check it out, you know, you know so,
0: and and this is a platform for people to talk about it um you know i think roman and i are pretty clear on where we stand and and as far as like yeah. what is addiction and what isn't but, I mean, I'm not going to stop anyone from expressing, I think, from being vocal. Yeah, I think at the end of the
2: day is that other people's opinion have kept people sick for a long time. Yeah, and yeah, at the I, end of the day, I think everyone's got the right to figure out what works best for them. And just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean it's got to be the same for everyone, right? Like yeah, also, life, life is fluid. <sighs> We're all unique individuals, and we all require unique care
1: exactly that yep yeah, that's where the one size fits all that you know you don't want that no yeah. doubt unique, unique care for everybody appreciate right on, it man
0: Chris. have a good day my man all thank right. Love you, guys you guys for Be listening
2: good, to another episode of the sober yeah. life audio, audio experience, experience.